Well, we're in our second week of this series called Live and Learn. And uh, what you will hear around here regularly is that your purpose in life, my purpose in life, every human being that's ever lived on this planet's purpose in life, it is meant to be a developmental journey. Uh, we are meant to first reconnect with our creator in trust. That's a decision that he waits upon. And once we reconnect with him in trust, then we can start to become who God always intended us to become and do what he intended us to do. There is a Christ-like version of you and a Christ-like version of me that starts to develop and grow and emerge as we reconnect with our creator in trust and then start to apply his word to our life because we trust him. So, having said that, there's also some kind of useful context that God has placed into life to kind of catalyze and, and stir this learning developmental process along for us. Now, last week we looked at that one of the things that God uses are role models. Uh, our role models, they, they are meant to give us an impression about who God is and what he's like. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Then we are all role models. That's right. Every single one of us that lives and breathes, we are role models. Whether we want the role or not, we are to those that, you know, are around us. And as we embrace being a role model, we're stretched, we have to care, we have to consider our impact on others, and we grow. We, we become this, more like this Christ-like version of ourselves. Today we're dealing with something that, of all the ways that God has designated for us to learn and develop, intentional learning, it, it might be called the most powerful and pure one, because intentional learning, it, it really comes from the inside of you and I and works its way out. In other words... We look around in life and we evaluate things and we come to some conclusions, some convictions that some things are worth our attention and investment and effort and sometimes even money for us to learn. There's no pressure from the outside. There's no exterior duress. We conclude this from the inside and then we invest ourselves in it and it works its way outside in our life. Now, to do this, we have to have a capacity to do this. And God has given us quite a capacity for learning. Look at this little uh, slide here. The human brain weighs three pounds. It's the size of a softball, and yet with it, we have the capacity to learn something new every second of every minute of every hour of every day for the next 300 million years. God has created us with a, what kind of capacity? An unlimited capacity to learn. Now, I know some of you are thinking right away, you're thinking, that is not me. Mine must not be softball size. Maybe it's major league hardball size. Or, or, or and some of you are thinking, no, mine's golf ball size. And if you're like me, you're thinking, mine's bunker marble size, maybe, you know. But no, uh, we all have this amazing God-given capacity to learn uh, to learn for 300 million years. I, I mean, endless opportunities to learn. And by the way, this just suggests very strongly that you and I and every human that is becoming fully human and fully alive in the way that God intended us to, we will always be in an intentional, a lifelong intentional learning process. When we stop intentionally learning, we stop growing and we start dying. Uh, when's the last time you intentionally learned something? We'll, we'll, we'll think about that a little more as we go. Now, some of you are sitting here thinking, but, but Randy, you know, you don't know me, and, and I'm just a simple person. And I, no, I do know you, because I'm a simple person, too. Um, 
The truth about you is something that may shock you, what I'm about to say. The truth about you is you are in the elite 3 to 5% of the human beings that have ever lived on the planet so far as your knowledge. In other words, you have more knowledge than 95 to 97% of the people, the 105 billion people that have ever lived and died on this planet. And you're thinking, come on, Randy, come on. No, no, no. You're, you're elite and brilliant in your knowledge. Let me show you what I mean. How many of you, you can walk into a dark room in your house, in your apartment, and you can make it light? Can I see your hands? Okay. Doesn't seem like much. Do you realize that of the 105 billion people who have ever lived and died on this planet, they never possessed that knowledge because electricity did not exist for 97% of the people who have ever lived and died? You can walk into your kitchen and you can, you can take this thing, this piece of machinery, magical machinery, and make coffee by pressing a few buttons. You can take food that's cold and make it hot instantly almost by pressing some how many of you know how to work a microwave can I see your hands you're microwave magicians <laughs> and you can work a washing machine and a dishwasher and you know how to make ice come out of your refrigerator for you to have that faculty and some of you some of you are such wizards you have such knowledge you can make images images like on that screen images appear in your living room and move around and talk you know how to run a tv can I see the hands of those who know how to run a TV? 97%, 95, 90% of the people that ever lived, this knowledge would have just stunned them. You, most of you, know how to use a computer. The, any question that would ever come across your mind, you can get an instantaneous answer to. The questions of the universe, you can kind of get an answer to through Google, right? Whoever Google is, they're really smart, and they just tell you everything you need to know. You know, I could go on and on. The, the technology that we live with, what you don't know is that your entire vocabulary, you know so much more than 95 to 97% of the human beings that ever lived. You have, you have a whole language that no one has ever had before. You are an elitely smart, knowledgeable group of people on the face of this planet. This is just reality. We don't think about this very much because we're born into it. And so your capacity, this capacity, this, this softball-sized brain of yours, you know, it's got a lot of horsepower, and our era is showing the kind of horsepower that it really has. Now, at the same time, being alive at this age, it means that we also are inundated with choice. Through most of human history, you didn't have much choice about anything, you know. You, you got up, you worked from light till dark, and that was just to make sure you survived another day. You only knew what was going on in your little village, if that, and that was pretty much it. You know, you ate the same kind of things. There was not much choice of clothing. Contrast that with today. Look at this. The tyranny of too many choices. In 2010, the average American supermarket carried 48,750 items, more than five times the number of items in 1975. That's just since 1975. Walmart and other big box retailers provide a smorgasbord of over 100,000 different types of consumer goods. If you don't believe it, just go in there and count. You'll see it's 100,000 exactly. <laughs> 
Netflix allows access to over 100,000 DVDs in the Amazon, and Amazon offers over 24 million book titles. This is the age we live in. Go on. While some of these choices have improved our lives, researchers also argue that the availability of too many choices causes anxiety, stress, and overload. Pause for a minute. How many have recently had to make a purchase of some kind? And as you started examining and studying and researching this purchase, you all of a sudden felt overwhelmed. There was, there was so much to learn. There were so many details. There were so many choices. You, you were filled with anxiety. How, how many have recently experienced this? I know my wife has. We, we were just looking into getting a new TV. And uh, it's not like before, man. When I was a kid, it's like, okay, you had black and white, and you had black and white. <laughs> then it got really complex. You had black and white TV, or you had color TV. One or the other. That was it. Now, it's overwhelming. It goes on. So, too many choices cause anxiety and stress and overload. A 2010 study by researchers at the University of Bristol found 47% of the respondents thought life was more confusing than it was 10 years ago. I am one of these that feels it's much more confusing. Too many, too many choices than 10 years ago. 42% reported lying awake at night trying to solve problems. I'm curious. How many of you have done that? Try to lie away. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. You need to sleep. You really do. Now, that's one of the things I learned. I, I've done that before. I used to have insomnia like that, you know, trying to solve everything. And now I just go in there and it's like, switch it off. You get to sleep, you'll actually solve the problems better the next day when you're rested. Nevertheless, we struggle with this stuff. And then finally, in his book, The Paradox Choice, researcher Barry Schwartz claims we've reached the point where choice no longer liberates, but debilitates. It might even be said to tyrannize. It's overwhelming. It's, it's, it's hard. Too many choices. Now, people tend to fall into one category or the other. Uh, some people, truth be told, they have a really, really hard time making any kind of a decision. It, it's just painful and almost paralyzing. Others of us, we're like machine guns. You know what I mean? We just bang, 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 bang. We, we just make them right off. I'm just curious. How many of you, it's painful, it's hard to make a decision? See your hands. Okay, it's about the same in the first service. I happen to be one of these machine gun type of people. You know, I've always been this way. I can make them fast and furious. But I find out later I should have done some analysis. <laughs> I, uh, I learned a lot of things the hard way in life. But never had a problem making a decision. Problem making the right decision. That's the problem. <laughs> so it's difficult even with these amazing brains and minds that God has given us. Overwhelmed as we are, we're an elite generation. No other generation on the planet has ever faced the kind of decisions that we have to face. We have this challenge of being able to make decisions and decisions we must make. So let me try to narrow this a bit because what we're going to focus on here is one of God's major ways that we are to learn and develop and it's intentional learning. And intentional learning means I, you, we must make choices about what we're going to focus on and invest ourselves in to intentionally learn. Here, here's my definition of intentional learning. Intentional learning is when we have considered something sufficiently desirable or valuable that we're going to dedicate the time, energy, and maybe money to learn it. 
So, so we've rationalized this. We've looked at it. We've thought about it. And we find it sufficiently desirable or valuable. And now we're going to invest. It is one of the Lord's most powerful developmental processes because it is based strictly upon values-based choice. And here's what I mean by that. Why it's one of the Lord's most uh, powerful developmental processes, it all comes from within. It's not based on pressure from without. It's not based on exterior circumstances. It's you and I giving sufficient consideration to something where we look at it and we say, all things considered, I want to learn that. And whatever it takes to learn that, I'm going to do it. I believe it's valuable enough for that. I'm going to invest in it. I'm going to, I'm going to spend as much money. I'm going to spend as much time. I'm going to give as much effort. It's from the inside. All from the inside. Voluntary. And then it moves without. It works its way out through our life. Um, this is one of God's most powerful mechanisms. Because it's, it's authentic. It comes from within. And then it works its way out. Now we're going to turn to a passage of scripture where... Uh, we glanced at it last week where the Apostle Paul, greatest servant of God in, in our lifetime or, and, or in any lifetime, um, served Jesus for about 30 to 32 years. And he knows that he's going to be executed by Nero. And so he writes one last book led by the Holy Spirit. It's his closing dying words to uh, us and essentially to a young man that he had trained for about 17 years named Timothy. So if you don't mind, turn to page 1343 in those Bibles that are near you on the chair. And if you brought your own Bible, it'll be 2 Timothy Chapter 2, we were there last week. We're going to look at a few passages. But what we want to start out thinking before we get into these verses is, is we want to understand the divine gift of intentional learning. We, we've got to understand why is this one of God's methods or processes for our development. You've got to let this thing sink in. Method, process. God wants us to cooperate with Him in our growth and development. All right, let's go to 2 Timothy and we're just going to read a few different passages. Let's start in chapter 2 first. And let's look at verse 15. Now mind you, Paul's dying words writing to Timothy, who he's going to pass the leadership baton of the ministry and church of Christ over to young Timothy. He says to him, he says, Make every effort to present yourself before God as a proven worker who does not need to be ashamed, teaching the message of truth, how? Accurately. So let's pause here for a minute. Here's Paul's dying words. And he's saying, Timothy, you need to give yourself completely to this. You need to make every effort. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't embarrassed to say, Timothy, you need to put your mind to this. You need to give this some time and some energy and some focus. You need to give everything it takes, Timothy, so that you study and internalize God's words so that you can articulate it, explain it, make it simple, make it clear to other people. This dying man believed there was no more important information in all of life and all of the universe than to know the plan and purposes of the Creator, the design of the Creator, the intentions of the Creator. That, that every human being needs that, he believed, more than anything else in life. And I believe that too. I'll talk with you more about that a little later. Drop to, drop to verse 19. He also wants him to understand something else. He says, however... God's solid foundation remains standing, bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from evil. So there's a consistency in this thing. Let's go to quickly chapter 3. Look at verse 15. Now he's reminding you, he's talking to Timothy, who he was known for 17 years, mentored for 17 years, and he knew about his childhood. He says, And how from infancy you, Timothy, 
have known the holy writings which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith or through trust in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, Timothy, listen, since you were a kid, and last week we learned that Timothy's grandmother and Timothy's mother, that they were Christ followers and they knew the scripture and they taught Timothy the scripture from the time he was a child. So Paul's reminding me, he's saying, you, you've already known the scripture since you were a kid, Timothy. Keep focused on it. Intentionally learn it deeper, he's going to say. Look at verse 16 and 17. Every scripture is inspired by God. And useful for teaching. We don't, we don't know how to live. We're experimenters. We're going to talk about experimental learning in another message. It's, it's valuable for reproof. We need to be reproved. Correction. We need to be corrected. For training in righteousness. We don't always know the right thing to do. We need to be trained. Why do we need this teaching and reproof and correction and training? Verse 17. That the person dedicated to God may be capable and equipped for what? Every good work. Like I said, God's purpose for life is that you and I become who we were meant to become and do what we were meant to do. There's a set of good deeds that the world won't be the place it was meant to be unless you and I uh, embrace and uniquely fulfill them. And God's word equips us, sensitizes us, conditions us internally to seize those opportunities and do those good things, which may be very subtle and yet very important nevertheless. So, here we have Paul in his dying words telling Timothy essentially, man, you've got to focus on God and you've got to focus on his word. You need to intentionally dedicate yourself, Timothy, to knowing it, obeying it, letting it change you, teaching others so that it can change them. It's the most critical body of information, he's saying, that humanity is desperately in need of. So understanding the divine gift of intentional learning Let's, let's think about a few things. One of the things we said in weeks gone by in another series of messages is that the greatest, most loving gift that God, the creator, could give would be to make beings that have the ability to experience life on the level that he himself experiences it. Uh, from Genesis, we have this verse. It says, God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. We are image bearers. We have mind, reason, emotion, will, just like God. Um, we have the ability to make choices just like God. You can understand all kind of subtle things. You, you are moved by a piece of poetry or a song or a story. Your dog's not moved by any of that. Even the smartest dog's not moved by it. You have a capacity. The best loving gift God could give was to make you and I with the capacity to experience life on the level that he himself does. But that necessitates choice. God wants us to choose and to choose carefully and wisely based on what is most important. Every parent knows this. Every parent, you know, we, we train kids when they're young. You know, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. But we know that's not going to last very long. Ultimately, they're going to get to that point in life where they're going to make their own decisions. And then parents are thrilled when they see their kids making wise decisions, choosing the things that have value, lasting value, and parents are heartbroken when they see their kids making bad decisions, things that are destructive and things that are going to deteriorate um, their lives and the lives of others. God is the same way. He's a parent. He wants us to choose, though, to show you how insistent and how 
uh, critical it is for us to choose. Here's his word to the nation of Israel, the newly formed nation of Israel. They had just been led out of Egypt, the Egyptian bondage, and he was now leading them toward the promised land, and he had given them his laws. And he says these words to them in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. He said, today I'm giving you a choice of two ways. And I ask heaven and earth to be witnesses of your choice. You can, what does it say? Choose. Some of us feel like, I can't, but I can't make a decision. I can't make a decision. You, you don't know me, Randy. I, I'm just, you can. You can make a decision. We make them every day. You'll see that in a minute. You can choose life or death. The first choice will bring a blessing. That's if we choose life. The other choice will bring a curse. So choose life. Then you and your children will live. And by choose life, what he meant, he had given all of his laws, all of the principles, all the ways that we're actually designed to live, the laws of our inner being. He had given that to them. And he was saying, choose that. Trust me. Embrace my word. You'll find for yourself. It's the way of life. He says, but if you don't, you're choosing the way of death. And when that curse thing is in there, it's not like God's going to throw a lightning bolt out from heaven. How many of you, when you were kids, this will make more sense. How many of you were kids, you ever had your parent tell you, don't put your hand on the hot burner on the stove. I'm just curious, how, how many had that, okay? And how many of you touched it anyway? <laughs> Can I see your hands? Now, it burns you, right? Was that your parents punishing you, or were you just experiencing the result of doing something that brings pain, right? You know the answer. So when it says that God's going to bring a curse, it doesn't mean that he's going to throw lightning bolts and, and curse us. It means that when we don't obey the laws of our being, it hurts us. We can't win that, that kind of a lifestyle. It deteriorates us. It destroys us. We lose our soul in little bite-sized chunks until we don't know who we are, why we're here, where we're going, or, or what to do other than gratify the next flashing desire that goes through our hearts and minds. And so that's what he means by that. It's not like he punishes or anything like that. Now, there's a lady whose last name I'm a little fearful I'm pronouncing wrong, but we'll put it up on the screen. Her name is Sheena Lyongar, I guess, Columbian researcher, uh, research for Columbia University. And she says this, the average person makes about 70 decisions every day. That's 25,500 decisions a year, that's over 70 years. If you live over 70 years, that's 1,788,500 decisions. The 20th century philosopher Albert Camus, or Camus, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I would have just called him Camus, but you know me. Uh, life is a sum of all your what? Choices. You put all of those 1,788,500 choices together, and that's who you, me, who we are. We are the sum of of our choices. We're going to see this reiterated again a little later. 70 choices. Average one of us is going to make today. 70 choices. 25,500 this year each of us are going to make. So we can choose. In fact, we do choose. We do make choices all the time. The question is, how can we bridle this faculty, this faculty for choice, so that we are choosing the things that are truly valuable, most important, have the la most lasting benefit for our lives. That's the key. Now, I'm kind of a simple guy, and, and this is not, you know, like patting myself on the shoulder. I'm back or whatever. I'm just going to tell you a, a little thing with my own self. Um, 1973. Uh, was a turning point in my life, fork in the road point. I was 23 years old. 
Uh, up to that point, felt like I had been everywhere and done everything, been down every dead-end street that I knew to go down, and came to that place where I just thought there's got to be more than life than this, and without going into all the detail, you know, led me ultimately to seek God. But when I became a follower of Christ, when I put my trust in Christ and became his follower, I decided I would follow him fully and freely and forever, and the instant that I became a follower of Christ, and I do mean the instant, it became crystal clear to me. And I'm not trying to say I'm a very smart guy. I'm not. Like I say, I probably got the, the marble-sized brain instead of the softball. But, but what was clear to me was that if the creator of the universe has spoken, if he has revealed the truth about himself and about life, and it is accessible, it is, it is in this book called the Bible, well, I, to me, it was a no-brainer. I knew I'm going to give my life to finding out everything that I possibly can. I'm going to intentionally learn. I'm going to intentionally become a student of this book. I don't really care what anybody else thinks. It was clear to me, this is more valuable. This is more important than anything. If the Creator has spoken and told the truth about Himself and the truth about life and the truth about me and the truth about the universe, I made up my mind. I'm going to intentionally learn that. I'm going to give whatever time it takes. I'm going to spend whatever money I have to spend. It was clear to me, this trumped everything. It's now 44 years later since I made that decision, or almost 44 years. And now I can tell you by experience, it was the wisest, best choice I ever made in my life. I've made lots of choices. We saw we all make 25500 a year. That's the best one. And I can stand here and tell you, if you ever make that choice, you might regret a lot of choices you make. You will never regret that. And all of us are experts in various things. We all know things. We all learn things. We, we are, in fact, learning. We're intentionally learning something. And I'm trying to say that there is nothing better, nothing that you will ever give yourself to. I'm more or less pleading with you. This whole church is built around the, the longing for each and every one of you to become intentional learners of God's Word because that's where He'll meet us through His Word for yourself. Let me share this with you. Focus your intentional learning powers on godliness. That's a decision you can make today of your 70 decisions that you'll make today. You can make it before you leave here. Focus your intentional learning powers on godliness. You've got that softball-sized brain with unlimited capacity to learn. You can do this. You can choose. You can focus. You can make a decision today that I made back at age 23 to intentionally learn. And that's, that's how we undertake the divine goal of intentional learning. You see, God wants us to learn. He wants us to choose what is best and he has a goal that as we learn, it starts to change us, transform us. And that's his process, emphasis on process. Listen to this verse from, it's about two or three years earlier where Paul writes to Timothy. He says, train yourself, Timothy. Train yourself to be what? Godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Train yourself. Stop here just for one minute. According to that verse, whose responsibility is it for you or I to become godly? 
train your, can you say it with me? Yourself. How many of you guys have ever had a personal trainer, physical personal trainer, gym personal trainer? Just see your hands. Okay, so you'll know a little bit about what I'm going to say. If you hire a personal trainer, the personal trainer will acclimate you with the equipment, acclimate you with some exercise routines, tell you uh, what to, what's good to eat, what's not good to eat, give you some routines. But essentially, all that personal trainer is doing is giving you the tools so that you will train yourself. The trainer can give you all the tools, teach you all the things, but unless you have the motivation to train yourself, how many know you don't get very far, right? Now I'm going to ask you to do something I ask them to do in the first service. This is going to feel a little goofy, but bear with me. Will you just repeat something? If, if this rings true with you, will you just repeat it? Here it is. I am responsible for my own spiritual development. Because that's what scripture says. You don't have to say that part. <laughs> it says train yourself to be godly. Now let's, let's think about what that means. That means that unless I train myself, prioritize, intentionally learn, intentionally develop habits, routines, and so forth, I'm not going to become godly. Some of you, like me as a young Christian, have probably prayed some of these prayers. These are not bad prayers because they at least show that the intent of our heart was good. We're just kind of naive about what works, what doesn't work. We're naive about God's processes. How many of you ever prayed some prayers like this? I used to pray these prayers like, you know, because I was not very loving, not very compassionate, not very gentle, not very kind, not very patient, uh, not very good. You know, I was a real follower of Christ, but boy, I had a lot of stuff still. And so I pray these prayers. So, Lord Jesus, today, today, I just want you to love right through me and be kind and patient right through me. I just want your patience to flow through me. I just want your, your compassion to flow. I'm not very compassionate. So I just want your, here I am, Lord. I surrender to you. I want you to live your compassion out through me. And I would pray those prayers. And I really expected I'd go into my environment, you know, and, and all of a sudden, the compassion of Jesus has just come over me. I, I don't. I don't know. I expected some automatic thing to occur. I really did. I, I, I was sincere in faith, but I was sincerely wrong. Because that, and, and by the way, if you're praying those prayers, it's good. It shows your heart, your intent is in the right place. But how, if you're praying those prayers, you know too, by now, by experience, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You can try all you want. It does not work. You, you have as much chance of that working as this. If you were to take an acorn and take it and throw it down in the dirt, you know, and just kind of do the mashed potato on it and get it all under the dirt and then say, in the name of Jesus, oh, Lord, please, I so want a 100-foot oak tree. I really need an oak tree for some shade. Please give me a 100-foot oak tree in your name and by your power. All the glory to you, Lord. You got as much chance of that being a 100-foot oak tree tomorrow as those prayers being answered. Because that is not the process that God has chosen for our development. You see, he, he, he wants sons and daughters that exercise their will, who come to the conclusion, God is good. We sang that song, you are so good, you are so good, and your ways are good, and your ways are right all the time. He wants us to hunger and thirst after righteousness to the point that we will just get all the effort and muscle necessary to intentionally learn his word, his will, his ways, and put it into practice. We will train ourselves to be godly. We will put off our old self progressively. We will put on the new Christ-like version of ourselves. We will do compassionate things before we feel compassion until we feel compassion, and so on. See, it's a process. It's God's process. 
He wants us to be authentic from the inside out. And he wants us to care enough to cooperate. So let's look at that verse from Timothy one more time real quick. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness, it's much better. Promising benefits in this life. Best life you can ever have as well as in the life to come. Listen to this one from uh, actor uh, Jeff Bridges. He was, he was asking a Rolling Stone interview about what advice as a young man did he receive or did he wish that he would receive um, as a young man. And he said, I got the advice. By the way, Sea uh, Hunt, how many know what I'm talking about? Can I just see your hands? Sea Hunt, Lloyd Bridges. Yeah, yeah. See, we're, we, we know stuff you don't know. You haven't been on the planet long enough to know about Sea Hunt. 1958 to 1961. Great, great TV series. He had a dad that was an actor. You probably didn't know that. Now you know. Okay, let me go on. Uh, I got the advice, he says. I just didn't take it. My dad would say, it's all about habit, Jeff. You got to get good habits. And I said, no, dad. You got to live each moment. Live it as the first one and be fresh. And he says, that's a wonderful thought. But that's not what we are. We are habitual creatures. It's about developing these grooves as I age, I can see his point. What you practice, that's what you, what does it say? Become. It's God's process. What I intentionally learn, what I put into practice, the decisions I make, that's who I become. Pray the prayers. Oh, pray them. Go ahead. Jesus, manifest yourself in me, you know. That's, that's good. Your intent is right, but it won't happen until you exercise your will. And you start to put things into practice. Now why, Lord? Why, why do you want us to be so serious about your word? Why, why is it? Uh, you, you know, do you just want to control us? Or, or what is it about? Listen to this from Isaiah. Oh, that they had paid attention to my commandments. Why, Lord? Why, why are you such a stickler about us obeying you? Then your, what? Peace would have been like a river. How many of you could use a little extra peace in your life? Can I see your hands? There it is. You can pray for peace all you want, but God's process is know my commands, internalize commands, obey my commands, then peace comes. Oh, God, give me peace. Please give me peace. It won't work. You can pray for it. It's a good idea. It won't work. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandment. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. This is really cool. It's, it's given a picture. You ever watch the waves of the sea? They just keep on coming, keep on coming. It's saying you and I would develop to be people that just constantly consistently do the right thing do the right thing we are the right people inside we do the right thing without if we would have paid attention intentionally learned God's commands God's words God's will because they're the they're the design of our being here's a father just pleading saying my children please trust me give this a try I designed you I know what works give it a shot and you'll see for yourself your peace will sneak up on you Listen to what he says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24, the Lord speaking. He says, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, and declares the Lord. If you keep that slide up there for a minute. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he, what's he, what is the word? Understands. The Lord is saying, I, the creator of the universe, the creator of the atom, the creator of every star, every system in, in the universe, the creator of gravity, you can understand me. I've given you that softball-sized brain. 
You can't understand me. It drives me nuts when Christians even, they, they get to say, oh, the Lord, is, He's deep. And we could never understand His ways. He's mysterious. And we're just but little, little maggots, little roaches. We, we could never understand the great creator. That is the stupidest thing. The creator became a human being so that he could make himself completely known to us. He is aching for us to know him. You can know God. You can understand God. No, you don't know all of his genius, but you can understand his person. And he wants it. He has made himself vulnerable and transparent. He stretched his arms out on a cross saying, I love you. You can know me. This is how much it matters to me. And we can only know him. I wish I could shortcut this for you folks. But I'm telling you, you'll only know him. You'll only really know him to the degree that you know this. He has chosen. This is another part of his methodology. He has chosen to reveal himself supremely in his word. And if you want to know him personally, if you want to know him powerfully, secondhand convictions are not that great. I mean, you know, sure, take in as much teaching as you can, but you've got to get it for yourself. So, let me close with sharing a quote from C.S. Lewis. Every time you make a choice, you're turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different from what it was before. And, you're take, and taking your life as a whole with all your innumerable choices, all your lifelong, you are slowly turning this central thing either into a heavenly creature, a Christ-like version of you or me, or into a hellish creature. It's a process. Our choices are a part of it. Either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other creatures and with itself. Or else into one that is in the state of war and hatred with God and with its fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature is heaven. That is, that is it is the joy and peace and knowledge. That is, it is joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness and horror and idiocy and rage and impotence and eternal loneliness. Each of us at each moment is progressing to one state or another. 70 decisions we'll all make today. 25,500 decisions we'll all make this year. We have a brain that is able to, to learn for 30 million years, unlimited capacity. The only question is, is what, what are we choosing to focus this vast power that God has given to us on learning? There's a uh, statement from another message, another series we did. Remember this? God's big plan is the development of an eternal family of Christ-like beings united in loving devotion to Christ and one another. That happens as you and I choose as we intentionally learn God's word, his will, his ways. And we put them into practice. That's how we become this Christ-like family devoted to Christ, devoted to one another for eternity. Now, one of the things we've tried to do in this church is to give you... Uh, an assortment of ways. You know, we, we want to help the best that we can for all of us to grow together, to take this journey together. Let's just put a little list we have up here. These are some of the ways that we've offered growth opportunities. Discipleship, our discipleship training program. I'm telling you, if you've not taken these classes, you, you are depriving yourself of something extraordinary. The Followers Foundation is one, one part of the course. The Followers Inner Life is the second part. The Followers Mission. These are extraordinarily powerful courses. We have growth groups where people get together, study the Bible, study various things that you can just continue your progress. We offer 
um, spiritual training guide program where uh, the spiritual work out of the day on our FCF app. The 5C seminar. If you haven't taken the 5C seminar, if you don't even know what it's about, you're, you, you, will, you will be blessed immensely. There's so much you will learn from just that one day seminar. It's actually about a two-hour seminar. Our Bible seminar. Maybe you're new to the Bible. Maybe it's overwhelming to you. It is different. It's 66 books. It's not just one book. You've got to know how to study it. This will kind of open that book up for you. The Life Application Study Bible. You'll hear us harping on this again and again. We beg people, please buy a study Bible. A study Bible is different than whatever Bible you may have. It has scholarly notes at the bottom to help you understand what the heck you're reading. The Bible takes some coaching. We have this book called The New Christian Handbook. 30 Days to Understand the Bible. 30 Days of Christian Life. Our Bible Institute series. This is online and free. These are courses that I've taught where I'll teach for about two hours for eight, nine, ten weeks. This one on core, cruise, core truths for the Christian faith. If you've never, you've never taken it, you would do well to take that course. Uh, the Why We Believe. It's an evangelistic course where, where we, we got into, you know, the basis, the, found, the apologetic foundations for our faith. So on. The teaching on the book of Revelation, probably don't want to go there until you do the others first. That's a little, it's a little out there. Uh, but I, I did that too. But uh, having said all of these, all of this, you can also... Uh, Get more information. If you write on your card today, if you just write growth on your card, we'll, we'll send you a list of resources that can help you. Now, having said all that, the truth is, unless you make a choice similar to the one that I made back in 1973, and only you can make it. I, I've been as persuasive as I know how to be. Max tried to say at the beginning, remember Max, he said, the problem is, is our butts. You know, but I'm too busy, but I'm too tired, but I'm, you know, we, we have a lot of buts. Only you can make that choice. My heart's desire is that nobody will walk through those doors today making decisions and intentionally learning things that will not serve you best. Things that will help you make a, a living, but not help you make a life. But I'm hoping you'll go through those doors determined from this day. This starts the journey. This starts the new intelligent learning process for me. And maybe for some of you, this is going to be the day like for me back in 1973 where you first of all say, I'm going to reconnect with my creator. I'm going to put my faith and trust and follow him. Everybody's following somebody. We're either following ourselves or some other human being or some philosophy or some ideology. I chose in 1973 to follow Christ, the creator of the universe, who loved me enough to die for me. I hope, I recommend him highly. You will never, ever regret that decision. And maybe some of you, you you've never really did it. It means to follow him fully and freely and to follow him forever. When you trust him, that's easy. It just happens. So maybe today, that's the start of your journey. Let's pray. Father, you know us. You know the complexities of each of our lives. You know our laziness. You know our resistance. You know our fear. Break through it all, I pray. And may we leave here on a transformational journey, determined to learn those things that you would say are most valuable. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.